Good afternoon. Welcome in on this fine Monday of a holiday week and a short week, but a busy one uh, to the weekend recap presented by True Sun Exteriors and Interiors. A lot to get to. We will bring in Mitchell Forty and get to all of it shortly. Um, appreciate those of you who are starting this Thanksgiving week with us. And if you're here live, feel free to uh, make some comments, add some questions, whatever you've got over in the queue, and we will get to them as the show goes along. Hit the like button and uh, tell everybody about what we're doing here. Everybody's going to spend some time at home the next few days. Plenty of time to uh, watch random YouTube videos with two guys talking about Mizzou sports. Uh, every now and then, you might have uh, had this experience yourself at some point in life. You moved into a new house, and the last guy just didn't leave it in very good shape. Um, it, it, it looked maybe honestly like a family of hogs had lived there and, uh, it was a little bit torn up. If that's the case, you want to get in touch with true sun exteriors and interiors. They can help you rebuild that thing and have it looking like your dream home in a very short matter of time. If you are looking at a remodel, rebuild, addition, anything you want, get in touch with True Sun Exteriors at 573-442-7292. It is week 14. I actually have that phone number memorized now. You can check them out at truesunexteriors.com. Uh, the best in the business lo uh, voted the best in the city of Columbia, actually, by Inside Columbia Magazine in 2021 for home improvement and remodeling. So certainly we want you guys to reach out to them. We now add Mitchell Forty to your screen. And um, Mitch, super busy week. No offense. I'm looking forward to seeing you a little bit less going forward. Yeah, I feel like we've had uh, something to, to talk about or cover together in person like every day over the last nine days or something like that. So, uh, yeah, it'll be nice to get a couple of days off. But first, we got uh, quite a bit to talk about. It was a busy weekend in, in Mizzou sports and, and like a, a positive weekend, which I feel like is kind of rare for us. <laughs> yeah, a, a I would say extremely looking negative weekend for oh, yeah. A pretty long time. I, I would say it looked negative in basketball for longer than it did in football. Uh, I, we'll get to football in a minute. Let's go ahead and start with basketball because it was the most recent. I, I didn't realize this in real time because I was just kind of trying to, to follow – what was going on and then try to figure out how long it was going to take Conzo Martin to get back to his hotel and do post game and all that. But that was the rare, the team that won never led in the second half in a uh, scenario, mm -hmm. which is uh, pretty incredible when you think about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, it started off I, the first half was appalling, like just call it how it is. It was just brutal to watch. And then SMU kind of found its footing, went on that 18-0 run. I mean, like, frankly, I just thought it was over because I didn't know if Missouri, I mean, an 11 point deficit in that game is like a 20 point deficit in most because Mizzou had scored 18 points, but credit to them. They hung around, hung around it. Even, even when they, you know, were hanging around down nine, down seven around that range for quite a bit of the last, Oh, I don't know, seven, eight minutes. I, I never really thought they would get over the hump because I just, I was like, you know, who's going to get in that bucket, but credit to Kobe Brown. He played really well. They got it done. SMU helped a little bit and uh, yeah, it, it worked out pretty well. They scored, they scored the same amount of points in overtime as they did as the first, the whole first half. That's a fun fact. Yeah. Well, and it, let's, it, like, you made a good point last week. Don't complain too much about wins because there might not be a ton of them, right? So be happy mm -hmm. with the ones that we do see. Um, that said, like, at some point, the win, if they're going to win more games, they probably need to average better than 21.6 points per first half. Like, 
this is four games, and in three of them, the first half has just been like they might as well almost not have played. They would have scored not too many fewer points had they just not played. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, I don't really know what the answer is. I mean, obviously, you know, we knew there was going to be some growing pains for this team. A lot of new faces. I don't know if that has something to do with it, just out of sync. But <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's now becoming a trend. And, you know, for a team that, you know, is not I don't think I wouldn't say Mizzou is really built to play from behind. I mean, they're you know, they they don't like to they don't shoot a ton of, you know, don't shoot it great from the outside. Don't necessarily play at a super high pace, even though they do try to get out and run every now and again. Like, I, I don't think it's a great idea to play yourself into double digit deficits every first half. But I mean, I'm not a basketball coach. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It seemed to work last night. I have a and look, I, Missouri does, deserves credit. If I was an SMU fan, I would probably try to fire Tim Jankovic after that game. Like, I don't know what they were doing. They were just kicking the ball all over the place. I, their offense appeared to just be – to have uh, Kendrick uh, – I can't remember his last name right now, but Kendrick. Davis. Just, Kendrick Davis, that's it. He just, Very exotic last name. He dribbled around for 27 seconds and then created a shot. Like, I, that, I was not impressed with SMU. That said – Missouri deserves credit and gets the win. Good news. Um, depressed Mizzou fan says he is not as depressed today after Missouri won two games in uh, in overtime. But I, I thought the good things I saw out of the basketball team were Kobe Brown took over. I, I mean, we could do a whole show about the uh, the A-list crew that was announcing that game on uh, CBS Sports Network at North Florida University. Um, but in the second half, Every time Kobe Brown touched the ball, the color commentator just said, best player, best player. But I mean, it was clear. He thought highly of Kobe Brown. Um, I thought when Kobe went to the bench with five minutes or six minutes left for a little bit, Dejuan Gordon and Ronnie DeGray were the guys that picked it up and, and made sure Missouri stayed in that game. The negative, I, I think point guard's a problem for this team. Um, I don't think they really – have one and I don't know if that's because Boogie Coleman really isn't a point guard or whether he is and he'll settle in um but I think you're gonna almost just have to go point guard by committee because I, I mean Coleman last night had six turnovers he was two for 11 from the field and a bad day is fine you can understand a bad day but I I don't know that I see who's gonna run this offense and you know insert the joke about what offense here Right. Yeah. So, yeah, a few things. First of all, like, you know, the football season is showing us and this weekend is showing us like it's a long season. Teams do get better. And even within the course of a game, things can change. Like, but also our job is to react to what's in front of us. So we're going to react to what's in front of us. Like maybe, you know, the point guard situation will work its way out. But right now, yeah, I think that's absolutely the biggest concern. I mean, coming in, Boogie Coleman wasn't really ever a point guard. He ran the offense some at at, uh, at uh, Ball State, but he also, I mean, you know, he's he's certainly a score first kind of guy. You know, he's not someone who who's you know he's not a, a Xavier Pinson or a Drew Smith who's going to you know key the offense and set it up for a ton of stuff for other people. And he did have I think what six assists last night, so that's fine. But he's just you know a little bit sloppy with the ball. And uh, I just I just feel like the offense, you know, it doesn't look like he's, you know, initiating a ton of action. Um, so, yeah. And Anton Brookshire just isn't ready yet. I think the hope was that, you know, he I think he's the guy who looks more like a true point guard than anyone else on this roster. But the game has just looked too fast for him every time he's been in there, which, you know, 
it's not that surprising. That's why you don't usually want a true freshman three-star recruit to come in and try to be your point guard right away. So, yeah, I mean, you know, there's, you know, no one is going to have watched that game and say like, oh, wow, I think Mizzou's really figured it out that they're going to make a run to the tournament or anything like that. But again, a team that's not going to win a ton of games, one is a seven-point underdog, you're not going to walk away from that upset. Well, you just hold on before you say nobody's going to say that. We'll get there. Uh, <laughs> no one brings the glass half full perspective. Mizzou only had eight at half. Unreal second half adjustment. That's one way to look at it. I think the best second half adjustment was Conzo told guys, hey, when you throw the ball toward the basket, can you make it go in sometimes? Because it really <laughs> didn't go in in the first half at all, and I would appreciate it if it went in more. But, look, Conzo yeah. does deserve credit, right? He gets ripped for every single thing. And anytime a coach is, has a struggling team, that's what it is. When it's going bad, it's his fault. When it's going well, well, the players just did a much better job in spite of whatever the coach told him to do. So Conzo deserves credit. Let's not let's not gloss over that. Uh, Kyle wants to know, and, and Mitch, I'll let you start here because you – you did talk to Trey King, how much of an impact Trey King would have on this Mizzou team. He is 6'9 transfer. I, I'm just going to say from Eastern Kentucky because the yeah. four month, whatever it was at Georgetown doesn't really count. Uh, but from Eastern Kentucky, who like he's kind of what this team needs, right? Yeah, in theory, um, you know, I'm not going to make any promises like one, he's only played at the Ohio Valley Conference level. And two, he, you know, he's going to be if assuming, you know, if or wherever he goes, he's going to be joining the team late and trying to you know figure it out kind of midseason. I mean, he's he's not going to have a ton of practice time before he gets eligible, if he gets eligible, which, by the way, is still up in the air. So it's not like a, oh, my gosh, Mizzou gets him and everything is fixed type of situation. But I think it would help. I mean, one, he's a scorer and this team needs scorers, as we just outlined. Uh, two, I think he could be a guy who could give you more minutes at the center position where you, you don't have to choose between going like mega big with Jordan Wilmore or to an extent Yaya Keita, although Yaya Keita did show the ability to at least knock down a three last night. But like Anton Brookshire, I just don't think he's really ready to play big minutes yet or going super small and asking Kobe Brown or Ronnie DeGray to play the five. And those two guys are already doing so much. I mean, Kobe's basically playing you know, every position except the two at various points during the games. I think if you could get a guy who could, you know, give you give you more minutes down the post and allow Kobe to do some more of the stuff he did, you know, some of his big to big passing, high low passing, I thought was really good. You give him a more reliable guy to pass two down there. Sure. I think theoretically that would help. Um, you know, he's down to try Kings down to three finalists, Mizzou, Wichita State and Iowa State. He's taken all three visits, just wrapped up his Iowa State visit last night. He told me, um, you know, he's certainly going to make a decision by mid-December, which is when, you know, he's going to hope to try to petition for eligibility at the end of the fall semester. He also, uh, but he, he doesn't have a decision date in mind yet. He said probably in the next 10 to 14 days. Um, so I, I don't really don't think he's made up his mind, going to kind of weigh his options and decide here pretty soon. But I, I can tell you this, the Mizzou staff feels like he would really help this team this season well because I, I mean the, the bottom line is if if you're playing big right now first of all you can only do it in certain situations if the other mm -hmm. team has a big man who can step out and bring somebody out on the floor Jordan Wilmore can't play there I mean Conzo said that like we have to play zone to help protect him and then offensively you're playing four on five I mean Wilmore was 0 for 6 from the field yeah 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 he stepped out and hit a three but like you said he's just like he's it was six minutes last night, and that's about where he's at right now, whether that's health or, you know, whatever it is. He's not there quite yet. So um, is Trey King, you know, going to be an all-SEC big man or anything? I'm not going to go there. But 
he does fit into what this team is missing. And um, unfortunately, we might re-depress depressed Mizzou fan here because he says, if the Tigers beat Florida State today and land Trey King, would you consider Mizzou to be back on the bubble for the tourney? Mitch, if you want to expand on this, I will let you. My simple answer is no. Yeah, I agree. I mean, first of all, those. I mean, I don't think beating Florida State is likely, but we're still just too far away from that. And I get that all the conversation about college basketball all year is just like, oh, well, they make the tournament. But we're, you know, we just watched this team lose to UMKC. We're, we're too far away from talking about a tournament at this point. I just don't see any scenario in which this team makes the tournament. I mean, they're three and one, but could easily be one and two. And they have played four of the, I don't know, eight or nine worst teams on their schedule. They got a couple more gimmies in the non-conference. Georgia's probably worse than SMU. Um, maybe a couple other SEC teams, but most of the teams they're going to play are better than the couple teams that they have struggled with so far. And, you know, I I wrote about this a little bit this morning, right? But just the, the emotional pendulum that comes with being a sports fan is it, it doesn't have to be fire the coach or I think we can make the tournament, right? Now, I mean, there's a lot of room in between those two things. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's just, you know, I, I do think most people realize that that's just kind of what you, you get and see on the Internet and stuff. But and I think we'll talk about that more shortly when we get to uh, football, because we had the same swing of emotions from, you know, midway through the third quarter to the finals to when the game went final on Saturday night. And uh, we'll just kind of wrap up. Yeah, Missouri plays Florida State tonight. And like I wrote this morning, Florida State is and has been the program that like what Conzo Martin wants, right? It's just yeah, he's the talent not shy about saying it. Yeah. I, I mean, we watched that. Well, I, I guess you weren't at that one with me, but I mean, up close that Florida state team in Nashville, like it was no surprise that they made a run to the final four that year because, or to the elite eight. I, I can't think remember. Elite eight, yeah. Yeah. Wherever they got. But I mean, you looked at that team and you said, oh my God, I think Leonard Hamilton just signed like six tight ends from the football team. I mean, they were freak show athletic, and that is the profile of the guy he recruits. And Missouri is more athletic than it was last year, but I think we're going to see tonight Ronnie DeGray and Boogie Coleman. and I mean, these are not guys you would classify as uber athletic, and I, I just – the only chance Missouri has in this one, I think, is like a Conzo rock fight that they win 52-49. Yeah, yeah. You would, I think you would need FSU to really struggle offensively. Um, I, I'm not going to claim I know that much about this Florida State team. I've not watched them play yet this season because I really haven't watched anyone outside of Missouri play basketball yet this season. But, um, yeah, I mean, like I know that they're you know fairly highly thought of. They they beat uh, Loyola Marymount pretty easy yesterday. And, yeah, they're the same type of team as Leonard Hamilton always has. They've got like four seven-footers and a lot of long, lean wings who can run and jump. And, yeah, I, I just think, you know, it's you're talking about a team that's more athletic and I would assume more experienced than Missouri. That's probably a tough combination. I don't think anyone really expects him to win this one. I, I mean, when you consider the overall percentage of the population that is seven feet tall or taller, and then think about the fact that Leonard Hamilton has four of them in the same room every day, that's that's a pretty incredible. Florida State did earlier this season lose to Florida, which is a nice transition to uh, football because Florida lost to Missouri in overtime this week. Um, it, just a real quick thing from Jamie Paredes, because I had kind of forgotten this could even be a thing. Did J- Jadarius Perkins play in the game on Saturday? Do you know? 
Uh, honestly, I totally forgot that too, and I didn't pay attention. If he did, I never heard his name announced, but uh, that doesn't mean he didn't play. I have no idea. Okay, I, I, I'm going to look it up shortly uh, during the next time you talk, just because I am curious. But overall takeaways from that game were – that was different than basketball. Like, I thought the basketball game was over. I, I thought, well, this is just horrendous. Missouri's going to lose by 50. I never felt like the football game was over. I had my doubts from time to time that Missouri was going to make enough plays, but – you know, it, it always was – I think it was a one-score game the entire game. I don't think anybody ever led yeah. by more than one score. And um, I don't think anyone ever led by more than four points. Okay, yeah. And and as I said last night, you know, like the big takeaway from, from that is it is apparently some sort of a rule that if you play football in the state of Missouri in 2021, you are required to start the season with the worst defense in the history of football – and then get to week 10 and suddenly have that defense be the reason you are winning football games. I, I, I don't think anybody could have seen the Missouri defense being capable of holding not just a, power, a good Power 5 team, but anybody to 23 points in an overtime game. Yeah, it's crazy. I really, yeah, the, the the switch of this team from a team that was pretty good offensively but couldn't stop anyone on defense, literally worst in the country against the run, to a team that, you know, I mean, like, not only did the defense dominate, but, like, the, the coach and the, the offense played like they knew the defense was. I mean, they were like, you know, like Eli Drinkwitz talked about it today in the third quarter. It was like, yeah, we'll just be conservative, punt, let our defense take care of it, and then hopefully get a big play or have Florida make a mistake or whatever and take advantage, and that's kind of what happened. Like, it's just wild that they turned into you know they they went from being like you know the the, the chiefs of last of the past few years the, this you know team that you know put up a lot of points and couldn't stop any people to like the old school bears who were just like yeah we'll win a game nine to six like we're cool with that so it's just crazy um you know good good for the team to get a win um i will say like i agree I always, kind of, I mean, I, I never felt like they were outclassed in that game or anything like that. Felt They were always right there, which did make it a little bit weirder to me, the amount of, like, you know, vitriol and, and disdain we got from some of the fans. And I get it. Like, you're tired of seeing the same quarterback out there, you know, struggling. But, like, and, and I also have never one to, like, shame fans for making their voices heard at a game. Like, if you want to boo, boo, whatever. I don't care. At least show up. That's good. But the booing caught me off guard. I was frankly stunned because you were the, the whole game. They were right there against the Florida team that was favored by nine points. And if like, if you had told a Missouri fan coming into the game, yeah, you're going to be within four points of Florida and or leading the entire time. Every single one would have been like, oh yeah, okay, that's cool. Like people must be playing pretty well. Like the, the booing was a little bit weird to me, um, but whatever, you know, again, I'm not like upset about it. It just, it, it surprised me. Um, but I, I was also glad and for Connor Bazelak's sake, like I don't care, you know, who, who plays what position, but like good for a college kid who's hearing boos all night to come through and, and get it done on the play that mattered most. And it was a fun scene. Um, you know, obviously you had the Eli Drinkwitz lightsaber moment after the game. Um, you know, you have the whole, the celebration on the field with the Cedars getting the rocks and everything. It, it was, it was a fun game to cover. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. I think going forward on the, uh, on the defense, like, I think this proves what we had been trying to say for six or seven weeks. Like 
Steve Wilkes is not a football idiot. They're still running basically the same scheme. I'm sure there have been some changes. And also, the talent on this team was never as bad as it looked in the first seven weeks. Now, I did think it was pretty interesting today. And this is easy to say in hindsight, right? Eli Drinkwitz would not have said this if they're sitting 3-8 and eight right now. But he said, you know, the expectations for our team in the offseason, and I kind of got the feeling after week one that maybe I needed to reassess what we could do this year. I thought that was telling because a lot of people kind of watched that game and thought, uh, is Central Michigan good or should we be worried about this? Now, Lou Nichols is leading the or second in the country in rushing, maybe leading the country. He's right up there. But, uh, you know, there were some signs in at least in that game and then certainly by Kentucky and BC that, oh, hang on, pump the brakes. I thought it was interesting that Drinkwood said that. Um, on, on Basilac, like, I don't really know what to think because I don't really think he was a key part of have Missouri having a big chance to win that game through the first three and a half quarters. Now, he made some plays. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, like you said, I mean, the kid deserved credit because when they had to have a throw, he made that throw. And everybody can say, well, it was an easy throw and he was white. Well, it wasn't an easy throw because he was getting, had a guy right in his face. And second of all, like, we have seen shorter throws than that not made this year. So, you know, yeah. I mean, he deserves credit for making it. Yeah, and, like, I, I can't argue with someone who wants to say, well, Brady Cook would have won the game, too, or maybe even done well, some. Well, because there's no way like, to prove that right, wrong. There's, there's no way to know. And I, I, the only, you know, argument would be the one I've made all year, which is that Eli Drinkwitz doesn't think so, and he spends every waking moment trying to figure out who would be best to give them the win. His job kind of depends on it. But, yeah, like, I, I thought one – Connor Bass, like he did the one thing that Eli Drinkwitz pretty clearly and publicly said he couldn't do, which is turn the ball over. I mean, that's what he's kept saying. Like the worst thing you can do is turn the ball over. Just don't turn the ball over. And he didn't credit to him. Um, second. Yeah. He made, you know, that, that two point conversion play. That was actually, it was a pretty impressive play. He had to go through his progressions. You know, he saw that Tyler Beatty was covered and everyone after the game was pretty open that that was the first read. The play was meant to go to Tyler Beatty saw that that wasn't going to work and, you know, made the right, made the right decision, bought himself just enough time by kind of flailing backward. And I likened it to a, uh, a fadeaway jumper at the buzzer game winner, you know, falling, falling back, shoot it. So uh, yeah, it was, you know, I, I think that, you know, as much as you can, you know, you, you can say that you haven't been thrilled with Basilac's play and want to see someone else, you know, get a shot. I mean, he, he got he got the job done. He got the win, which is what he was in there to do. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's kind of it, it's hard to get too worked up about it at this point to me. Yeah, I want to run through some of the comments and questions. We're going to save the lightsaber thing for the end because when I used to be in TV <laughs> news, they called the last story the kicker. It's supposed to be something kind of amusing and leave everybody feeling good. So so we'll save that for the end. Uh, Garrett, I, I'm not sure I understand this here. It says, how bad will it be if Mizzou somehow beats Arkansas this week? Like, they should curb, curb stomp us, and if they don't, oof. I mean, I don't know, I guess, how bad would it be for Arkansas? I don't really know, nor do I really have any interest in caring. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know that Arkansas is really supposed to curve stomp. So that the line is big. It's bigger than I expected at 16. But I mean, like, I, I don't think, I don't know. I, I don't think it's like, it's not like Mizzou and Georgia. There's not that big of a, a talent mismatch. I don't think obviously I'm sure it would hurt for Arkansas fans who have lost to Missouri. I don't know what it's been four or five years in a row, but I, I think that like, in a rivalry game, you always throwing out the records. Last game of the season, like I don't, I I would be surprised if any fan on either side just like saying like, oh yeah, I know we're gonna win or we should easily win this game. 
Uh, Justin wants to know if they get to seven wins, isn't that what most people predicted? So I, I think some people predicted more, but I think most people said seven is, is pretty reasonable. The over under, I feel like was like six and a half maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think the, if they get to seven to me, that's like, like there's two ways to look at it. Either look where they came from. Seven is actually even more impressive than seven would have been two months ago. Or there will also be people that go, well, they won four out of their last five. Why they didn't do that the first half of the season? What the hell was he doing till mid-October? Yeah, it does have a little, little bit of feel of that Barry Odom season. What was that, like 2017, I think, where they started off like one and five yeah. and then won five in a row. Um, where it's like, you know, the, the coach of the program are going to try to spin it is look at the steps forward we took and now that we're going to build that and going into the next year. And, and, and But at the same time, you could easily be like, well, why why did it take so long? Because you made everyone not care because we were so bad for the first half of the season. So, like, I see both sides. I think getting to seven wins in the regular season would be pretty impressive, you know, obviously considering where they're coming from. And I think that would be, I mean, like, solid. That's what I predicted for this season. I would give them props for getting there. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I think it depends who you're asking, right? Like, if you're asking someone who picked him 9-3 before the season, I doubt they would probably say the same thing. And it is worth noting, like, that that Tennessee game, you can't just – the more we get away from it, obviously, you can forget it a little more and more. But, like, when you include that in the calculus of how the season went down, it does probably – you know, it it turns what – like, especially if they end up 6-6, six and six, it's like, okay, yeah, they treaded water, and it's not a disaster of season, not going to hurt recruiting, it's fine. But, like – that was a tough moment um, that, you know, again, you can't totally forget. Yeah. Um, in And Case says Mizzou could be a damn good team next year with improved Q- QB play. And you mentioned that 2017 season. And I do think it will be a little bit important going into the offseason to remember that because it, people did kind of build up this, this hey, we, we finished with like six wins. And yeah, the bowl game sucked, but whatever, the bowl game, you know. And nobody could have expected to beat Michael Dixon on that night. He, he punted <laughs> his way to a Texas Bowl title, and that was incredible. But but then it, I think it almost increased the heat when Odom again stumbled out of the gate the next year. You know, and, and people were like, well, where'd that momentum go? And... Like, there are reasons to agree with what Case says. I mean, if Trajan Jeffcoat and Isaiah McGuire are back and these are the guys they are, that's really good. And you've got Chris Abrams train and uh, DJ Jackson, who showed on, on Saturday, and Ennis Rakestraw's coming back, and Jalen Carlis is coming back, Chad Bailey's back. There's reasons to think. But then what happens if you come out and week two next week you give up 42 to Kansas State and get beat? And then everybody goes, well... Defense is just right back where we started. And, oh, by the way, Tyler Beatty's not on this team. Like, I think there are reasons for optimism, and I'm not trying to shoot that down. But I also think we need to, you know, I I think there's more to it than just the quarterback play. And I think we need to get closer to the beginning of next season before we just automatically assume that improvement is going to happen. Yeah, I mean, you're basically starting your off-season refrain now because this is what happens every single off-season. Fans are like, oh my gosh, remember? Like, it just starts, we get to hear more and more and more about the good things that happen. The bad gets forgotten. Optimism starts creeping in. It's like, ooh, yeah, we finished last season strong. I'm thinking seven wins, eight wins, nine wins. Before you know it, people will be saying, this is the year, SEC East, Georgia's, they lost a lot, and you're going to have to keep saying the same thing. So you're just getting into off-season form now. 
<laughs> exactly. Um, Floyd wants to know how much Sean Robinson is playing these days. He's not. He's hurt. Yeah, Drinkwood he's hurt. said he won't play Saturday. Um, I did look up the Jadarius Perkins thing. He did not play on either defense or special teams. Um, saw a question. Uh, oh, it was Kyle. And, Mitch, you probably know this better than I do, what seniors didn't walk on Saturday, not including a Caleb Evans, who didn't walk but isn't coming back. Correct. Yeah, it was, uh, let's see if I can remember, Hyron White, Zeke Powell, Sean Ketting, and Kebet Chepiator, I believe. Uh, Kebet Chepiator is a walk-on tight end. I wouldn't expect many people to know that. I've also been told that long snapper Jake Hoffman is planning to probably come back. He got put on scholarship, yeah. I believe, earlier this uh, year. And, and Sean Robinson has said he's planning to come back as well. Oh, I didn't I didn't realize he said that. Uh, yeah, there was a Fort Worth Star-Telegram article in which he said that. So, I mean, I, I assume it's true. He didn't say it to me, so we'll, we'll see. But Okay, well, well, good for Sean, certainly. Um, Floyd earlier also asked, I have read the drink may be close to more commitments. Who are you hearing? And I just want to take this moment to let you guys know that we appreciate everybody who joins us on this fine YouTube production every day and that we run a website where we have a subscription price and that is how we pay our bills and some things we don't give away on our free YouTube channel. So, um, you know, we'll see. Um, yeah, there could be more news this week. We are not, we don't know for sure. Um, but I, I'm not trying to, well, I am trying to dodge the question. I'm not going to lie I'm directly <laughs> dodging the question, but I'm also trying to explain my reasons for doing so. Um, let's see, uh, if there is anything else I'm running through these real quick. Uh, oh, Al Davis, like he's going to be the defensive line coach next year, right? I would think so. Um, unless someone comes available who Drinkwitz thinks is like a total home run, like slam dunk. Yeah, but I mean, the defensive line's really improved this year, and Drinkwitz glowed about Al Davis today during his press conference. I would, I mean, yeah, I would think that he'll be the guy. Um, one more recruiting thing. Andy's asking if anything has developed with Antonio Doyle. Not yet. He is not going to do or say anything until mid-December. Now, he may take a couple visits here in these December weekends. Uh, transfers can do that, and if he does, certainly we will we'll pass that on if we find out about it, but um, nothing there. So, okay, I'm, I'm going to let you go first on this because you were there. Um, what did you make of Eli Drinkwitz, uh, you know, pulling out the, uh, the lightsaber at his post-game press conference? Oh, I thought it was hilarious. Um, first of all, the underrated part of this is that he was coaching the game in like a white shirt. I don't remember if it was long sleeve or polo or whatever, but he showed up to his press conference in this black hoodie, which should have been uh, that was starting to be a little suspicious there. But, you know, maybe I thought maybe he had had Gatorade dumped on him or something. I don't know. And uh, so, you know, he got the hood. And then at the very end, yeah, he uh, put the hood on and, and whipped out the lightsaber. Only error in execution is that he didn't light it up. So it was just kind of clear. Um, he had to he had to send Blaze Aldridge back in to show us that it lit up, which you know if you, he didn't quite land it, but it was still pretty good. Um, I don't know. I mean, like I I agree with kind of what you said after the game. Like you know, I'm sure other fan bases will will not love it. I thought it was great. Uh, you know, fun for what we do. Um, you know, became the kind of the center of college football Twitter there for about five minutes until something else ridiculous happened. But yeah, I don't know. I enjoy, I mean, like I enjoy covering coaches that show their personality. I'm never going to get mad about that. I say do more of it. Yeah. It, because we can't complain that these guys are boring and never say anything. And then they do something and we blow them up for it right now. Right. Look, if you are a Florida fan, I, I understand why you hate it. If you're a Missouri fan and the Florida coach did that, I mean, which kind of right he showed up as Darth Vader then 
Hey, you were pissed off about that. Now, I understand because Dan Mullen isn't the most likable guy in the SEC, but if it's another coach, you don't like – and all I've said is, like, I don't think there is anything – there aren't any repercussions other than, like, I think there will be some other coaches that are like, oh, hey, we're up 24, but that's the dude who did that thing. Like, let's go ahead and score again. But I, given who Eli is – I think that was already in the works. Like, I don't think coaches are necessarily going to take it easy on him because he is different. But, like, I I like it. I enjoy it. But with that personality, you got to win because if you don't, like, it does bite you. Yeah, for sure. By the way, I, I will say, like, I, this doesn't mean it wasn't planned. It probably still was. And he said it was recruiting. <laughs> it idea, was 100 percent. Uh, but his wife was in the press conference, as she always is. And then sitting next to uh, Ben Fredrickson, who said after the game that, that she she acted genuinely surprised and then told him not to put it on Twitter. And he was like, well, too late. <laughs> and yeah, Eli did say today it was the recruiting department who came to him with it, which, again, like you said, is possible. Um, but somebody had that planned before Saturday. Like, oh, yeah, they did yeah. not just happen to find a green lightsaber in the Mizzou locker room. Yes, right? That is right? Correct. I mean, yeah, yeah, I don't they, know. Maybe been, there's dumber in things in college locker room. room a lot of times, and there's not usually a lightsaber stashed behind the podium. You never know, man. College football. I like. I, I want to FOI Missouri's budget and see where the lightsaber line. See see what they spent on that this past year. Um. So yeah, I mean, football practice this afternoon. More interviews. Basketball tonight. So busy week. Unless you have a whole bunch of stuff that you just want to tell these people about, we can uh, we can let you go get to it. No, yeah, it'll be busy basketball game tonight. Uh, I have a story on the from the interviews, football interviews today, and also Wednesday morning. Or sorry, I'll have that story tomorrow morning, and then another one Wednesday morning. And uh, yeah, you know, we we may never sleep until Thursday, but right. then we can have a nice food coma. Well, welcome to the week where we just don't know what day it is because, like, we always used to joke when when Missouri played on any day other than Saturday, the first thing Gary Pinkle would do is tell us what day it was in his world. It's like, yeah. you know, so we play on Thursday, so this is Monday, but in my world, this is Wednesday. And now that has to be me, right? Like, I have <clears throat> legitimately no idea what day it is when I wake up this week because Missouri agree. plays Friday. Yeah, yesterday I was very confused because, like, the NFL was on and it felt like a Sunday where I should, like, kind of relax. And I was like, no, I have, like, 90 things to do. And Missouri plays a basketball game. So now it feels like a Tuesday. So what am I doing? <laughs> Yeah, so, all right, well, Mitch, uh, we'll let you get running, man, and uh, I don't know, we'll talk to you on Wednesday. I mean, I'll probably talk to you before, right? (laughs) Yeah, probably. All right, have a good one. Uh, Mitchell Forty going to, again, have uh, have coverage for you guys from football practice uh, or from football interviews this evening, tomorrow, and all that. We will be – Mizzou, Florida State is at 7.30 tonight on – approximately 7.30. It follows the 5 o'clock game, so, you know, that could vary. But that's on CBS Sports Network again uh, against Florida State. Appreciate all you guys who uh, who are here and who have been hanging out with us, you know, really throughout the season on Mondays. And uh, just kind of to update the schedule, um, we will do – I will do the recruiting show with Sean Williams tomorrow morning. We'll do the 573 report on Wednesday morning. Mitch and I will. I think we're doing that around 11 o'clock. I'm going to pre-record uh, the – opponent preview show for Thursday. This is our last like full week of uh, of streaming, but we are going to continue at least the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday shows through at least signing day um, and then, then kind of reassess and, and see where we're at going into January. Um, but 
Appreciate everybody who has been here hanging out and interacting with us. Uh, pretty busy show today. Um, if you're here, hit the like button, subscribe to the channel. If you are listening on the podcast, which I uh, have put up by now, if you're listening on the podcast, then please give us a nice review and share what we're doing here. Appreciate you guys and certainly appreciate the folks at True Sun Exteriors and Interiors who have been with us all season long on this show, kind of looking back at what happened in Mizzou Athletics in the weekend gone by, doing double duty right now, and that is something that True Sun is certainly familiar with. Uh, they've they've done the exterior work for a long time now, but in the last few years have gotten into also doing inside stuff, remodels. Uh, they put some new floors, redid some bathrooms and a kitchen for me in the last few years, so they are equally adept at uh, both tasks, and certainly we would encourage you guys, if you are looking at some sort of a remodeling project or something around your house and and look it doesn't have to be major right they can they can handle the big jobs but they can do something pretty pretty small for you they put in a, a new ladder into my attic a few years ago like they'll they'll handle whatever you guys need done get in touch with them at truesunexteriors.com or you can also get in touch with them at 573 573- 442-7292, the best in the business here in Columbia, Missouri, and encourage you guys all to at least use them, give them a chance first, get a quote from them, see what they can do for you, and uh, I have a feeling you will come away satisfied. Hopefully, you're satisfied with this show. If not, I don't know. It's too late, guys. We'll try again tomorrow.